PlaceTV.com slash Glenn is the place to go to subscribe to Blaze TV. Actually, it's supposed to be, I guess, BlazeTV.com slash Stu on this program. And it doesn't really matter. Either one of you is going to get you there. Just use the promo code Stu. Either way, you'll get 10 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV. Pat Gray is going to join us here in a little bit to talk about the Supreme Court. But we're going to start by doing the last line of defense. And increasingly, that's what our courts are. The last line of defense. Media is completely toast. We have our efforts, right, like right here at Blaze TV. By the way, if you're thinking about how you're going to get your news for the election, you're going to go to the mainstream media for that? Is that going to work out well for you? You need a Blaze TV here to help push back against the radical, unscheduled disassembly of America. That's why we're here. And we ask you to subscribe to Blaze TV, blazetv.com slash stew. But beyond that, media's gone, culture's gone. Sure, we're pushing back here and there, but there's only so much you can do, I guess. At the end of the day, the Supreme Court is holding the line, and the courts in general have been holding the line here for the past few years in so many ways. We had three big cases at the end of last week. I was out Friday to get a chance to talk to or talk about a couple of them. And I want to get into some of this stuff here and look at the importance of it and also what you're missing maybe behind the scenes, uh, how ridiculous some of the left-wing justices are. It's embarrassing, honestly. So we had the student loan case. We had the 303 Creative case. That was a case about the whether you had to do a website for a gay wedding. And we had the affirmative action cases. And I want to go into a little bit of detail here. We'll go into more with Pat Gray here in a second. But I want to start with the student loan thing. And you know me with the student loan case. If you watch this show at all, you know it's been like the thing I've been freaking out most about. I don't know if there's anybody who's freaking out more about this than I am or, uh, and was talking about this as really, really a core important issue, maybe more important than uh, so many other cases. Maybe Charles C.W. Cook at National Review. I don't know. He's the only guy I've heard really losing his mind as much as I have on this. And it's important to understand how fundamentally important this issue is and, and, and luckily was. If you missed it, of course, uh, the, it was a 6-3 decision. I was hoping for a 7-2. I hoped Elena Kanigan would come to her senses and sign on for this. She did not. But it was a 6-3 uh, decision where the court came down and said, no, you can't, as the president of the United States, just cancel $400 billion in, uh, in student loans, even though you knew uh, that was not what the law actually wanted, even though you knew it was not actually allowed through the Constitution, uh, even though you knew that the Congress has the power of the purse. This would have remade our entire government. This is what, how incredible this is. This, we would have had a situation where presidents were able to spend money on their, I mean, it's a dictatorship. This is what it looks like in countries you know, that have a king or a queen or a dictator that sit there and just say, you know what, spend $300 million on this, spend $200 million on this, I don't care where you get it from. That's how it works in other countries. Here, we have the Congress to have to pass a bill to do something like this. Now, there's a lot of problems with the whole idea of student loan relief in the first place. It rewards people who took out loans, who got the benefits of those loans, uh, as opposed to people who didn't take out the loans, maybe went to uh, work early and tried to save up. They get punished. They didn't take those risks. I mean, there's a million, the people who are among the most highly compensated people in the country are the people getting the benefits of the program. None of it makes any sense. It's just insanity. It's just a liberal fever dream trying to win over voters. And of course, they tried to do this. That was the main focus of it before the election. Probably helped them at some level, who knows. Um, and they went through this knowing 
that this was not constitutional. Nancy Pelosi said it was not the way this worked. Uh, Joe Biden's own Department of Education said you could not just do this. And then they just decided to do it anyway and act like they never said any of these things. This is the reality of our country right now. The left does not care about our Constitution, our institutions, and our system of government. They don't care. They don't care. There's some political uh, uh, sidelines of this that I want to get into, maybe with Pat Gray here in a couple of minutes. But really, the guy who nailed this perfectly, and I'm actually angry at myself for not doing a show with this exact idea. Mike Lee uh, pointed this out in a tweet over the weekend, and it is the perfect explanation as to what this was because the media went to this direction after this the student loan decision came down and said you are waking up today ten thousand dollars poorer than you were yesterday because you had this student loan relief and then the evil right-wing court took it away from you this is the most backwards thing in the world Uh, that's not how our system works everyone knows this is not how our system of government works Of course it was going to be overturned by a court that was even moderately sensible, let alone actually conservative. And so that was all tossed out. That was all tossed out there. And Mike Lee pointed out, well, this is the exact situation that happened with Scott's tots from the office. If you remember, the office, Michael Scott, went to a third grade classroom. And this is uh, 10 years before the scene that happened in the office. And he went there and he was all excited. And this happened to Michael Scott often where he would get all excited about, you know, trying to please people who were in the room in front of him. And he told those kids if they worked hard and they graduated high school, he would put them all through college at his expense. Ten or 13 years, whatever it was, passed by. And uh, and uh, Michael Scott suddenly remembers he's made this promise. Of course, he, wasn't, he did not turn into the successful businessman he thought he would be, did not have the money to put them through college, and has realized that he is now being invited back to go see, once again, Scott's Tots to give them their college uh, scholarships that he promised them so long ago. And, of course, he realizes he doesn't have the money to do this. He winds up, I think, giving them laptop batteries. That was his big... Uh, his big gift in lieu of the college scholarships. But it's one of it's probably the most awkward scene in the office where he has to admit basically, yeah, I don't have any of this and you guys are screwed and you're not going to be able to get through college probably because I don't have any money for you. When all that stuff happens, it's so awkward. It's like the thing that people point to when they say they don't like the office. It's too awkward. I can't watch it. This is what Joe Biden just did. He just promised millions of people they were going to lose all this student debt and then yeah, the whole time, you know, understanding, unlike Michael Scott, who I think believed he would be successful enough to eventually do this, all this time believing that he had, they had no chance of actually getting this money, these people, they wanted to get them riled up so they could get angry at the right, at the evil right-wing court. Well, of course, this is just Joe Biden's effort at Scott's Tots and these people who were really now, you know, were, were worked up into a frenzy, believing they were going to get ten dollars to $20,000 that they never could possibly have received are now stuck. And of course, they're going to point fingers. They're not going to blame themselves. They're not going to say, oh, it was my fault for taking out too much loan, too many loans. It's not going to, they're going to say, oh, I, I'm going to blame myself. So I shouldn't have believed Joe Biden. They're going to blame the conservative Supreme Court. And this is how it goes. It's really, really embarrassing. And we've come to this point now where the left wing of the court is a joke. It is a joke. I mean, I've talked about this before. Sonia Sotomayor is not even in the top 80% uh, when it comes to intellect in this entire country, like I, she is a dolt. That's what it, uh, there are. Like I can sit here and say Elena Kagan is wrong. 
on case after case after case. And she is. She is. She's wrong most of the time. I'm very disappointed in Elena Kagan for not actually going, at least doing something to signify how stupid the student loan case was. However, she is a at least a very smart person. She's a, 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 a very uh, intellectual and um, intelligent person who can at least decipher these things and make a coherent liberal argument, right? That is not the case with Sonia Sotomayor. And increasingly, it looks like it is not the case with Katanji Brown Jackson either, who can't even define what a woman is, of course, but also can't seem to, uh, can't seem to do basic research. I, I don't know how much this was covered, over the past few days, but I want to make sure you're aware of how ridiculous this stuff is. In uh, several of the cases, you know, these cases come down, and Sotomayor read a bunch of her dissent in the, well, I think it was the affirmative action one, where you're talking about, um, you know, uh, you're talking about going through and saying, okay, um, here are examples of why I think this is bad. And there are some situations where this ruling, oh, we think this ruling is bad, and here are some examples that we don't, we don't want this to do. They do this all the time on the left. They'll just list a bunch of crimes, a bunch of uh, incidents in the country that are familiar to people as if it backs up the legal reasoning for the, for the case. And that's not how this works. You know, that's how it works maybe on a talk show. You might say, hey, here's three or four examples of X, Y, and Z that defends my case. But in a Supreme Court ruling, none of this makes any sense. Why is this stuff even in here? Um, she had a couple of really, really bad ones, um, it, particularly in the 303 Creative uh, situation. She was talking about, this is the one about the, um, the website where uh, someone was asked to do a website for a gay marriage, which, uh, you know, there's some details behind that of whether the initial request was even real, but it was accept, accepted uh, as fact by both sides. So it's no, not legally value, whether it's real, no legal value, whether it's real or not. It gets through the whole process. They come down and the Supreme Court says, well, of course you're not going to be we can't compel your speech. We can't make you say something you don't want to say. So no, you don't have to participate in a gay marriage website if you don't want to. This is a, in, in reality, pragmatically, a very minor issue. 99% of web designers are just going to take the business. Uh, you know, it, this is just a silly, nonsensical uh, thing that the left gets fired up about. But they want to attack right-wing freedom of religion and freedom of speech. And they want to compel you. They want to force you to go along with their policies or you lose your livelihood, or you are, 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 your business gets tossed to the side. Everything that you've worked for gets destroyed. They want that threat to be there. And the Supreme Court dismantled that threat. Well, in response to that, Sotomayor came out and said and mentioned, um, uh, these are the things that could happen. Like, for example, uh, we could have more Matthew Shepard cases. Now, the reason I bring this up is just to show you the difference between the rigor of the right and the left right now. The, 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 the six on the, on the right of the Supreme Court, I have my huge problems with John Roberts. I have, I, Kavanaugh, sometimes Amy Coney Barrett, sometimes Neil Gorsuch. I, I don't understand what they're doing all the time, honestly. But at least they're going to give sense. They're going to explain what, they, what they're trying to do. And they're going to give logical reasoning behind it. This is totally different than what the left is doing. So one of the examples that Sonia Sotomayor points out as if this is reality, you can't get a website made for a, a gay wedding and that means you're going to have Matthew Shepard happen again. I mean, the logic there is, is ridiculous. Secondarily, what point is that? It has nothing to do with the case. The fact that there was a terrible attack against a gay man uh, many, many years ago, which might describe that you don't have as many attacks as you're saying if you have to go back to what, 2000? I, mean, I don't even remember what year that was, 1999, to find the right case to mention in your Supreme Court briefing. 
That's a whole nother level of this. It doesn't it has nothing to do with the ruling. It doesn't belong in there anyway. But also, it doesn't at all seem clear that Matthew Shepard was actually killed because he was gay. This is something is not this is not new information. This comes back from a 2004 ABC News report and a book written years later in 2013 by the same journalist. I want you to listen to this is from NPR talking about what actually happened with Matthew Shepard. Now, if you remember the case at all, you might remember this is a guy who was attacked because he was gay. He was brutally beaten and murdered. I mean, it is a legitimately horrible case. But when you look at the details of the case and you actually asked honest questions, which journalists, I guess, used to do at one time, um, you find out a much different narrative. Here is Stephen Jimenez. He's the journalist talking about this in an interview with NPR. In my opinion, and based on all the research and investigation I've done, it's that Aaron McKinney wanted the drugs and the money that he believed that Matthew Shepard was in possession of that night. And Aaron assaulted four males in a 24-hour period. One of them was against a, a gay male, and the other three were against straight males, but somehow we can isolate this and say this was an anti-gay hate crime. As a gay man, did you have any concerns that your reporting, that digging into this issue would somehow diminish the power that the Shepherd's story uh, had and, and, and what it has meant for, for gay rights in this country? Actually, um, certainly along the way, uh, I've, I've had those thoughts a number of times. But the, the, the stronger impulse, Rachel, was to, uh, to tell the truth as I discovered it. It felt more important to me to to really look at these truths and to uh, provoke a conversation around them. Mm, that's what journalism used to be. By the way, did you catch that? As a gay man, gay man, gay journalist here uh, talking about this. And the question from NPR is like, well, wait, but what about the narrative? Well, the truth is supposed to, you're a journalist. The narrative's not supposed to be the focus. The fact that certainly there have been attacks against gay males, which is, makes the whole thing with Sotomayor even more incredible. She couldn't even find an example without any uh, certainty to it. Now, there's some people who looked at that case still believe that it was mainly focused on him being gay. Lots of questions against that. It's a little bit back and forth, but the, the, this has been out there. And if you're talking about needing to name something in a Supreme Court case, don't you go with something that you're sure about. But it gets worse from there. They also went, uh, Sotomayor also went to the Pulse nightclub shooting. Now, this one is quite, quite clear. Let me just give you this uh, in case you forget. You remember the case we went to a gay nightclub. Uh, it was a, a you know, a Islamic extremist shot up, killed 49 people. Awful, awful, awful story. And what she says in the in the dissent is this is going to cause more of these incidents, potentially. Here's what we know about the Pulse nightclub shooting. The Disney Springs, a shopping and entertainment complex, was the original object of, of his uh, the shooter's terror. And he had even bought a baby stroller in which to conceal his guns. But as he was surveying the location, he got spooked by the police presence around Disney and came up with a plan B. Hoping for free reign over as many defenseless victims as he could find, this coward whipped out his phone and typed into Google Orlando nightclubs. Pulse was the first hit that came up. 
Mateen drove there and infiltrated his second choice target based on nothing more than his location and vulnerability. Had it appeared easier to target Eve Orlando, another nightclub he scoped out by using Google Maps, he could have chosen that spot. Had another club been a closer drive, he could have chosen it. The FBI found no evidence to corroborate speculation that the shooter had visited the club before, that he had used gay dating apps, or he had otherwise had any personal vendetta against gay people. Again, she cites two uh, stories here, and both of them have been, you know, this has been out there for a while. This is not new information. This has been shot down over and over and over again. These are not even examples of what she's talking about. This is pathetic. This is something that a basic editor at the Huffington freaking Post would get knocked on uh, and, and they'd have to edit their article. And yet Sonia Sotomayor is throwing this out here as if it's true. Same thing with Ketanji Brown Jackson, who did this. She did the affirmative action dissent um, where she wrote um, about a story. This goes with uh, with basically saying that we need to promote black doctors. Um, and this is what she said. Specifically, she wrote for high uh, risk black newborns, having a black physician more than doubles the likelihood that the baby will live and not die. Claim was taken from an amicus brief followed by, uh, filed by the Association for American Medical Colleges. And that's true. It is taken from there. It's important to note that she just took it. She didn't check it. She just took it from the brief. That's not what you're supposed to do with these. First, the study does not claim to find a doubling in survival rates for a black newborn who have been a black attending doctor. Instead, in its most fully specified model, it reports that 99.6839% of black babies born with a black attending physician survived compared with 99.5549 of black babies born while atten white attending physicians, a difference of 0. 0.129. The survival rate of 99.6839 is not double 99.5549. That seems pretty clear. Rather than demonstrating the protective benefits of black newborns and having black doctors, the proceedings of the National Academy of Scientists a study, a study only documents that black newborns are more likely to have severe issues that increase their risk of infant mortality. And those severe cases are more likely to have white attending physicians because white doctors are more prevalent in specialized fields that treat those complications. It's a long way of telling you. Basically, when you have a severe case in an ICU with a kid that is uh, really close to death, there's much more likelihood of a white doctor having that particular job. So the ones that die are often more tended to by the, those specialized doctors in those fields. We could go on and on and on with this, but the bottom line is at this point, the Supreme Court isn't even the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court is two separate institutions, one of which seems to be filled with complete dolts, and the others, who gave us some disappointing rulings as well, are actually doing their jobs. That's all true, but the really important thing to remember is the Supreme Court is our last line of defense right now. It is terrifying to state that, because if that, that formation changes, we are in for a rough rough road. Pat Gray joins us next to talk about it. I want to tell you about realestateagentsitrust.com. I'm guessing that if you, uh, I don't know, the next time you take a flight somewhere, you want to make sure you have a pilot. I don't know, though at this point, experts don't seem to be... <laughs> seemingly making much of a difference in so many of these fields. Certainly in the Supreme Court doesn't make a difference. When you're talking about a real estate agent, though, you better have, forget if they're a, an expert. You want to have someone who's been checked. 
you want to make sure that someone's done some background check on these people, someone who's done some check on their results. Who knows if these people do a good job, if they happen to be uh, the type of person you can trust. And that's why Glenn started this company a while ago, uh, realestateagentsitrust.com. This is a service that is free to you. You go on realestateagentsitrust.com, you give them their information, the team will reach out and get, connect you with the best real estate agent in your area. They've done the homework, you don't have to do it. Uh, you shouldn't have to do it. You should be able to have a resource that helps you find someone to walk you through the most important uh, transaction in your financial life. realestateagentsitrust.com has been developed for just that purpose. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Check it out now, realestateagentsitrust.com. I want to go to Pat Gray, who I, I hear hosts a program right here in the Blaze called Pat Gray Unleashed. This is uh, occurring most days, Pat, here yeah. in the morning yes. on Blaze TV. Is that where people could watch it and, and consume it this content? It is where they they could watch and wow. listen. Yeah, yeah, five days a week. Five days a week. So that is most. And get it on right? your podcast and YouTube as well. Mm -hmm. Of course, uh, Pat, we were just talking about the Supreme Court stuff. I, I was out on Friday, so I kind of missed the opportunity to rant and rave on this. Mm -hmm. These are three I mean, over the past, you know, the last part of last week, three really big rulings. Um, we have the website design. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to be forced to speak on behalf of gay weddings or other things you might not agree with. You have the student loan case. You have the affirmative action case. Which one do you think is the biggest deal? Let's start with that. It's uh, a good question. Maybe the uh, maybe the web designer thing because mm -hmm. it's religious freedom involved. Yeah, and uh, it's a First Amendment right and. Uh, those rights in the First Amendment, all five of them, are first because they're supremely important. Yeah. Uh, and it was interesting to see off of the back of the Masterpiece Cake Shop case, which was a 7-2 decision, mm -hmm. but was very weak. I mean, right. it was like, yeah, this one guy is okay. He doesn't have to bake the cakes. Everyone else, who knows? You know, it was like one of those. Yeah. This one is much more broad, much more sweeping. Yeah. They've done a really good job lately of... Deciding issues, Roe v. Wade, for instance, mm. the affirmative action thing, I, I, and this one is great. Um, they did specify that restaurants and hotels aren't in that same situation, though. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently, uh, you know, there's not much you could do if, if say, a gay wedding um, banquet is being celebrated. Mm -hmm. You can't tell them no at your restaurant. Yeah. But this is interesting because I think it would involve the cake shop and and obviously the web designers and anybody who does anything creative. Yeah, doesn't have to create for something that violates their religiosity. Yeah, it's interesting. The two like factors are expressive and uh, customizable. Mm -hmm. So you have to have both of those things. Like for example, they were t they used a, one of the pieces of analysis I read used like a Ford F one fifty. You can customize that in a bunch of ways, but it's not expressive. You can't say Ford can't be like, ah, oh, we don't like gay people buying our trucks. <laughs> now, I don't think gay people want to buy their trucks all that much, but I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they do. I don't want to buy their truck. <laughs> you, <don't, laughs> you don't even want to, and you're not gay. Um, I think so. There is that like. There's a very specific thing. And the left is automatically jumping to these ridiculous conclusions. I saw one store put a thing up like, now it's okay to discriminate so Trump supporters can't come in our store. Oh, like, this is the nonsense that's out there. Yep. You know, do you think that there's, uh, you know, is this going to help the left pushing back against this stuff? Or do you I, think I don't think so. You know, it's, it's fascinating to watch how uh, crazed they've gone over these decisions, though, because... Their true nature comes out when they defend these things. Um, for instance, on the affirmative action, 
people are saying that blacks will never get into a, a great uh, college anymore. Yeah. They won't be able to go to Ivy League schools. How racist oh, so is that? that? It just shows their true colors, that you don't believe that they can do it without you, that you don't believe that they can do it on their own merit. It's, it's, uh, it's eye-opening. It's one of the most revealing things I've ever seen. It is. I mean, because I, I thought they believed that. Yeah. I thought they th- believed that black people were inferior because that's the way they act. The fact that they came out and said it mm-hmm. after this, they said they can't do it. This right. is going to mean that black people yeah. don't get into Ivy League schools. Right. It's like incredible. Right. It's like, what year is this, 1954? It's amazing. It's absolutely, and there's no two ways around it. I mean, they are just stating their racist viewpoints. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joy Reid was interesting too because she, she, she admitted that she got into Harvard or Yale, whatever Ivy League school, because of her affirmative action. So was there ever any doubt in your? I mind? know there really wasn't. <laughs> That's there the really only wasn't. way it could occur. But you're proud of that. If if I got this job based on affirmative action because they had to hire extra white people, I'd be ashamed of that. And I think I keep that to myself. Yeah. You know, I I didn't get this job on my own merit. I got it because um, I'm white. It, that's. Crazy. And we all know this was the case in the 1800s, maybe in this right? yeah. in the early 1900s, where white people were getting jobs that black people were probably more qualified for mm. because of the color of their skin. Only white people could get hired. So that was the problem we were trying to solve. Yeah. And then here we are seeing the exact opposite going on now. And it's cheered on by the supposed, uh, you know, heroes of civil rights. But I, I will note, not the actual heroes of civil rights. Democrats believed these things before, and they believe these things now. They've just changed colors. Yes, yeah, and they've just completely uh, flushed Martin Luther King Jr. down the toilet. They don't care at all about content of character versus color of skin. It's all about color of skin to them, and they, they don't care about the content or qualifications or anything else. They don't care, and they've shown us that they think Martin Luther King is completely null and void now. Uh, really, they don't care about him they at all. They don't care. I, I swear, they're gonna be, those statues are going to be torn down as well. Yeah. That will happen. Well, they have to be, yeah, right? They have to be, Because eventually. he's the antithesis of everything they believe. Yeah. Um, and th- maybe the most uh, outlandish part of this on the Harvard side was uh, the stats that showed that if you are at the top of the line when it comes to being an Asian uh, student, the top academic achievement, mm-hmm. you have a lesser chance of getting into Harvard than if you're at the 40 percentile uh, uh, and you're African-American. That is a crime. Unreal. I mean, it's a, well, now I guess Unreal. it is. <laughs> what were the percentages? I, I, I think I heard 56 or 58 percent for blacks uh, admission rate. Mm, is it really that high? It's really high. Harvard. 35% for Hispanics. I think it was 18, 17 or 18 for whites and 14 for Asians. So they just, if you're Asian now, you just need not apply. Uh, it's absolutely. And they're the victims of this more than any other race. This is uh, no question. And that minority doesn't matter. You know, I mean, again, these minorities, it's a dumb way of talking about it because 60% of the world is quote unquote Asian. But I mean, I don't know how much of a minority they are. Uh, But in this country, they are. And, you know, the fact that they've been targeted for these things is really uh, crazy. It's really, really terrible, I think. Let's go to the student loan one, because I Mm. 
you know, I think these are all vitally important. The student loan thing, while I never in a million years thought that one was going to go through, I don't think even the Biden administration believed it. They said as much beforehand. Their own mm-hmm. Department of Education, Nancy Pelosi famously said, this, this can't happen. Uh, there was no point where they actually believed this was going to go through. Right. But if it actually was not blocked by the, by the Supreme Court, I think it would have been the most important thing on this list because it would have completely reordered our entire constitutional system of government. Yeah. We would have all of a sudden say, well, no, no, the Congress doesn't have uh, the, the, the power of the purse. Right. I mean, to say that Joe Biden can overturn $400 billion and just like throw it out there to just basically take our money and throw it out there. It's incredible. Would have been incredible. And it was a very cynical thing to do by the Biden administration. Do you agree that they didn't even think they were going to succeed here? Oh, well, he said as much before... You know, he did. He, he uh, excused the debt um, and then came out after the ruling and said that they they misinterpreted the Constitution. In what way? How is that possible? The same way he did two months earlier. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, it's it's unconscionable. I mean, these people are the worst leaders we've ever had in in American history. Um, they might, I'd, I'd say they're the worst in the world, but they haven't as yet started to purge the people from the planet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as yet. Yeah, just yet. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily put that past them, but uh, it's the, the college admission thing, so unbelievably unfair. You're not forcing anybody to take out the loans. You're not, you know, you're not forcing anybody to go to certain colleges that are expensive. You're not telling them they can't work through high school. <laughs> they, can't, they can't earn as they go in college, it's unbelievable. All the things we used to believe in as a nation are thrown out the window now because um, people are in debt. Yeah. Well, yeah, they got there of their own free will. Nobody put a gun to their head and said, borrow $200,000 for college. Nobody did that. Yeah, it's a very big decision. We ask high school students to make it, which is a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. And it puts them hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt and reverses their entire you know, career arc. Yeah. God only knows what's around the corner with all the stuff that's going on now with AI and other technologies. Like, how do we even know what jobs are going to exist in five years? I mean, to put kids in debt like this is conti- increasingly becoming even more insane than it was before. Right. And I mean, if you... If you really believe in college, you can go to a college. You can go to a trade school. You could go to a community college. You could, you could go to, I mean, BYU, if you're an in-state student, I think it's 2500 a semester. Yeah, reasonable. Reasonable. If you're out of state, I think it's ten dollars or $11,000. Again, reasonable. You could pay for that as you go, pretty much. Um, there's a lot of places like that. Of all the examples you could use, I'm surprised you went to BYU. It's it really, is a shocker, it is isn't a shocker. it? Yeah. Um, last one here on this on the student loan thing, because I think this is an increasing problem, um, and it's a, totally out of the Supreme Court realm. It's to the politics realm. Joe Biden goes into this, n- tries to get it done, tries to get it through Congress, can't get it through Congress. He, he feels the pressure from the left. Just do it. Just do it. This has been bubbling up on the left-wing academic circles for a long time. You can just mm-hmm. do this. We promise. So even though he knows he can't do it, even though he believes he can't do it, there's reporting that even the aides that knew he couldn't do it were like, well, go ahead because it'll never succeed. Right. It will never get through. This will never go through. But it will look to the left. It will look to college students who have this debt like he's trying to do something. And the evil Republicans are trying to block it, even though he knows this is totally against the Constitution. He does it anyway. He blames the Supreme Court and he wins on the other side. At least this is the theory. 
That is a dangerous thing. Because first of all, eventually one of these things is going to go through mm-hmm. and it's going to be really damaging to the country. But secondly, it's so cynical. And when you have a media that immediately comes out and, and introduces this idea to people as, well, guess what? You woke up today and you're $10,000 poorer than you were yesterday. That's how the, they were writing about this. Mm-hmm. This is, I mean, this is a real problem in our politics, too. Oh, absolutely. And yet, it, this is, that's exactly what they did. You know they did. Because they're doing exactly what we... Uh, knew they would do in the beginning, and that's to blame the mega MAGA Republicans yeah. and, and his Supreme Court and how extreme this court is. And that's what they'll be using the entire election cycle. And they think they're, they they're going to win. They think that's a winning strategy. Yeah, I don't know that it is. But I, I hope I, not. I'm increasingly nervous <laughs> about it. I, you know, like I just, I mean, like the Roe versus Wade thing is something they've, they've exploited as well. Yeah, and, I, you know, some, there's some evidence they've, they've, especially from moderates, have had some, some success. success there. Yeah. But generally speaking, I mean, I think people now are starting to settle into the reality, which is, you know, what is it? There was some stat that came out 3% of, 3% of abortions have been stopped since they're over, Roe versus Wade yeah. overturned. If you want an abortion, you can get one, unfortunately. I don't think that's the right outcome. Mm-hmm. But, like, maybe people are settling in, okay, this was a lot of scare tactics. You know, this hasn't really changed. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know that people pay close enough attention to actually decipher these things. Yeah, and, and they might have had some success in the midterm last year. Um, maybe it blunted the Republican success rate a little bit mm-hmm. in the House, and yeah. that's why it's a much closer margin than most of us expected. And so maybe it worked, but it was worth it. Even if it oh, did yeah. work for him, it was worth it. Yes. And so will these be. Yes. Because these are all constitutional decisions, good decisions. I feel like it's our last defense. The it last is. line of defense right now is these courts. Absolutely. Other than that, we are screwed. <laughs> Culture's <laughs> gone. Media's gone. Politics are gone. Everything except these courts. These, there's these six people, or five and a half people, sitting in that Supreme mm-hmm. Court who, and I will give Roberts credit on the, uh, on the religious, uh, yeah. he was very good on that. He was good on the affirmative action thing as well. He was not as terrible as he's been in previous terms on some <laughs> of this stuff. But generally speaking, this is it. Yeah, and I think he's got the cover now. He's got the fifth justice that actually decides it. And then he's like, okay, I can jump in there with him because it's 5-4 five, five, anyway. Yeah. So it might as well make it 6-3 and it doesn't hurt his legacy. And I think that's all he's worried about. It does seem that way. It does seem that way. Pack Ray, Pack Ray Unleashed. Of course, you can check it out every morning here on Blaze TV and the podcast and YouTube anytime. Pat, thanks so much for coming on the program. Yeah, thank you. Coming up next week, I'm going to be in Iowa, and we're going to be doing this forum with some national voices, uh, many of them running for president uh, here on the Republican side. Um, And it's going to be an interesting conversation. And I I bring that up largely because any one of them would be a heck of a lot better than Joe Biden. That's uh, just true. We have the merch ready to celebrate that exact thing. Anyone but Biden 24. It's available on mugs and t-shirts. It's available now at stewdoesmerch.com. If you use the code stu10, you'll save 10%. Again, it's stewdoesmerch.com. The code is stu10. Well, he's been on the show approximately 800 times, um, yet he has never been in studio until this moment. Dan Andros joins us uh, yes. <laughs> from FaithWire.com <laughs> and CBN News. Dan, thanks so much for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. And it's normally from my closet, but here yeah. 
It's good to be here in person. Well, you've you come out of the closet. That's, <laughs> you're going to get you're going to get celebrated now in the media. Congratulations. Great, yeah. uh, Looking that, forward to that. There you go. <laughs> I will say it's interesting. Uh, you know, you were on. You haven't been down here in a while. There was a little COVID thing that happened, uh, yeah. so maybe a restricted travel there for a while. Yeah. But it's great to have you here in person, just in time to talk about some of these ridiculous Supreme Court cases. Mm-hmm. And I say ridiculous because really the way the media went after this. I mean, you know, the, the, the one that strikes me right off the bat is, is this 303 creative uh, case where they were talking about the gay website that they was supposedly wanting to be made. The, the left's going crazy over this, saying this is crushing gay rights in real time. You've been watching the coverage of this. What do you, what do you make of it? Yeah, it's really interesting because actually this decision came down when I was on vacation. And so I was just, you know, I wasn't really paying attention. I just kind of would check in and look at the news like a normal person does. Right. right? Like we read all the stories. We go through stuff yeah. normally as part of our, our job every day. So I was just seeing the news and, I'm, and I saw gay rights under attack. That was every headline was just sort of like, you know, attack on trans, gay rights, whatever the, whatever the framing was. But, and I kind of was thinking, which one was that? I, I, I forgot which one was up. And then when I looked at it, I was like, this case? <laughs> And then it hit me like this is how the average schlub receives news of religious freedom being upheld by the Supreme Court. They receive it as gay rights under attack. And it's it was remarkable to kind of see it from that perspective. Yeah. Whenever you're on vacation, I, I mean, and this is I just inside baseball, I guess. But it, but it is weird. Like you, sometimes these cases occur like there was one that happened with the trans shooter. Um, I was thinking it was the Nashville one. I think I was on vacation that week when the Nashville trans shooter uh, situation happened. And for the life of me, I could not figure out which way this person had transitioned. Was this? I couldn't tell. Right. I must have read 30 stories about it, trying to like, what is this? Like, what was this a woman who was was saying they were a man? Was it a man who was saying they were? I couldn't even tell because they're so afraid to say anything. You can't even tell what the you know what the facts of a news story are anymore. Right, and even the police. I think it was the police chief at that point was saying stuff, and you're like, wait a minute, that's the opposite of what all the right. reports said. Who are we? When when does it become a thing where? They're worried about offending me with all this ridiculousness. Yeah. Like, they're so worried about offending everyone else. But when are you worried about offending me for constantly trying to, you know, gently gender everyone? Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. Uh, you, yeah, you ever get that moment where you, you kind of wish you took a screenshot of a website you were reading because of how ridiculous it was? I was reading, I think it was the New York Times or something. Again, this was, I think, on vacation. And they were discussing the affirmative action case. And, like, the coverage of it was Incredible. Overturning generations of rights. The Supreme Court shoots down. Um, Then it was like um, the coverage was like uh, they had these elements of like, well, maybe there's this is the way you can get around it now. Like a guide to colleges to continue to do this legally. And all this never uh, features about individuals who were crushed about this. Nothing about the Asians who were like, hey, finally we get to get into colleges where we get grades for. <laughs> right, we have straight A pluses and, uh, and I get d- dissed because I, I guess I'm Asian. It's anti-Asian hate. I love how, by the way, remember like two weeks ago, That's it right. was like, hey, stop Asian hate. But they're like, you can't go to this school. You're too good. Um, stop being so smart. Stop being so smart, but stop Asian hate. I'm so confused. What do I do? Uh, the whole thing is ridiculous, you know, but you're talking about the framing there uh, of the media. And it is remarkable to me. We all know there's a bias in the media, right? But when you watch, have you seen these sites 
Um, they're supposed these like watchdog sites that come out. We we look at the news sites and see which ones are biased. Right, and like they yeah. email us every now and then, and I completely ignore them because I'm just not gonna, I'm not gonna give them the time of day because I know what you're doing. I look at their thing and they're like, you know, CBN and Faith. This is a far right because they believe in pseudoscience. We talk about God stuff, like, right, and, right. and they call that pseudoscience. But then the New York Times and CNN and all these sites get like, oh, they're just straight neutral. They're just giving you the news, and it's like. No, you look at framing like that, and it's always stuff like that. It's anti-abortion, attacks on gay rights when you're talking about religious freedom. And it's so irritating that that's the way the system is set up. Like, I could deal with a little left-wing bias, right? Like, yeah. But this is just, they portray it as straight news, but... And that's what the ratings give, and they've got the yeah. whole system set up, right? Like, that, they're, they're verified as that. But then... You know, the framing is so far left. It's it's leftist activist framing now at yeah. this point. And, it's uh, getting worse and worse. It's yeah. getting worse and worse. Yeah, it was a situation with the Times where they threw out their their editor. They threw out, you know, people like Barry Weiss left because yeah. they were like, I mean, Barry Weiss is not a hardcore conservative. She's like a moderate Democrat, you know. But even that is insane now because the, the activists are, you know, running the institution in that particular yeah. case. Um, and that was, of course, the story, too, we saw when it comes to getting straight news with the Hunter Biden situation from the beginning. You know, his laptop, they were throwing people off of social media for saying that it was true. We now have this report of mysterious white powder in, in the White House um, has now uh, been confirmed. It is cocaine <laughs> inside the White House. Uh, now, this is not the actual cocaine from the oh. White House, but we brought some along to, so you could see, and maybe we can do some after the show. Oh. Um, yeah. It's, uh, I'm sure, the highest quality. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's, <laughs> it's hilarious that this is like our reality. We're talking about coke in the White House, Dan. Uh, yeah, and I mean, a, a couple things here. <laughs> uh, cocaine in D.C., not a shocking find. <laughs> no. Right? No, like, I, no. from, from what I've heard, mm -hmm. uh, not a shocking find in D.C. But, I mean, I saw clips of Hunter Biden. Like, it's pretty amazing that he's done what he's done. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, he's got a laptop with the most ridiculous things on it imaginable. Like, mm -hmm. the, mo the biggest caricature of a D.C. nut, you know, off the rails, just crazed party animal, like, just living up the sea. He's that and then some. Yeah. But then he's at these fundraisers, some fundraiser, some event. It was something yeah. with like the president was yeah, there. Yeah, like a state was there. dinner. Yeah. yeah. And, and he's just mingling around and everyone's like, hey, Hunter. I'm thinking, what in the world is going on there? It makes me wonder, like, is this totally intentional? Like, how do you leave a laptop that you know has pictures, all kinds right. of evidence of, of you doing all kinds of illegal things and immoral things, et cetera, et cetera. How do you just leave that at a shot? Oops, I left it there. <laughs> and then now he's coming back in good graces with everybody. Like, what is that? That, that just doesn't add up. No, it, I mean, it only adds up if his ability to, to uh, melt these lines of corruption has factored into millions and millions of dollars for this family. Yeah. It's really the only way it makes any sense. Because at this point, Joe Biden should be saying, look, I love my son. He's obviously a disaster. I got to keep him away from the White House, right? Like, I, I'll, I'll meet him at like a 4th of July picnic, sure. But he's got to stay away from official events. This is obviously, and he won't do that. And the only way you would think of that is because Hunter could turn on him and decide to, uh, to out him. Who knows? Yeah, I guess so. The only other question, too, Stu, I have is, okay, they found the cocaine. What is this? 
Are there any ladies of the night there at the White House? <laughs> I think so. I mean, if Hunter was there and maybe that, I mean, that's the only theory yeah, I can come up with with the cocaine. Cocaine but. and hookers in Washington, D.C. I, come I know, on, I know, what are you I talking know. about? This, so this nice. is why you get the, the negative ruling on <laughs> faithwire.com uh, because of this so sort of speculation. Uh, Dan Andrews uh, from faithwire.com, Quick Start Podcast, CBN News as well. I probably shouldn't say all that with the cocaine on the screen. There yeah. you go. Yeah, thank uh, you. Uh, Dan, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, back in a second. You know the election's coming up very soon, and you know what kind of coverage you're going to get from the mainstream media. Do you want that kind of coverage? Probably not. No matter where you are, we always love that you watch or listen, but we'd love you to become members of Blaze TV. Go to blazetv.com slash stew. Use the promo code stew. You'll save 10 bucks off your subscription for a year. We would love to have you here even longer than that, though. blazetv.com slash stew. The promo code is stew.